Welcome into 11 Personnel, brought to you by our friends at Monticello Bank. The best Welcome bank to 11 in the history of banks. Brought to you by okay. our friends at Monticello Bank. Uh, Rush, Monticello do it again? Bank. No, that wasn't me this time. That, that was on okay. old Stephen Peake. But uh, 128 <laughs> years of service, Monticello Bank. They go wherever the Wildcats go with the GoNBC mobile app. So whether you're going to the NFL draft like we are next week or whether you're sitting at your own home and don't want to make it out to one of their 21 branches in 14 different markets, the people matter. Your banking matters. Bank conveniently wherever you are with our friends at Monticello Bank. Download the Go NBC app. Find them on the web at NBCBank.com. Monticello Bank, where people matter. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Big shout out to our friends at Monticello Bank and a big shout out to all of you, all of our friends who are watching, following along, who submitted questions for this mailbag episode. Like it, a lot of people do the mailbags, but we typically, that's just kind of, you know, we answer questions all the time on the YouTube chat. It's, it's kind of how we that's roll, right. but, but this week we're in between spring ball, we're in between the NFL draft, we're opening it all up. So ask us whatever, whenever. Uh, either in the chat, we've got super chats. We've also got some questions from KS Board. But I did want to start with some recruiting scuttlebutt, um, which I believe, you know, we did actually get uh, one of those questions formally submitted um, from Dave Nine on the board. So, what are our chances with Cortland Ford? Does he have a timetable for his decision? And I actually got uh, tipped off recently, lucky that South Carolina. They're trying to mess around. Freaking the other USC. Freaking Beamer, man. He's just the worst. But um, uh, this isn't just a. I've heard it from multiple people uh, from various angles that they're still confident Kentucky is going to be uh, the ultimate destination for Cortland Ford. He's beginning his official visit tomorrow. We'll be here for the weekend. And uh, lucky we could have ourselves a, a commitment before the weekend's over with. So, yeah. Um, I think we can do RPM picks now for portal players. I'm going to have to go do me one of them RPMs for uh, once we get off the air here. Yeah, USC, University of South Carolina, they also have some big offensive line questions this year. Um, that's probably one of the weaker points of their team, so that's not a huge surprise. They're going to have uh, a Yale transfer starting at center, I believe. So that's not a surprise that they're trying to throw their hat in the ring here. And, I mean, it, it's been a pretty quiet recruitment, which happens a lot here with some portal guys. And so I think Ford's supposed to get there to Kentucky tomorrow or today, later today? Correct. tomorrow, yeah. Uh, tomorrow. And so we'll see. They should be able to hopefully wrap this up pretty fast. Uh, the thing is with this window, since it's so small, they kind of have to make decisions fast. So if he's going to go on another visit, it's going to have to happen pretty soon whenever he returns home from Kentucky. So uh, we, sh we should know one way or the other, I think, pretty fast with Cortland Ford. The, the other thing, too, you mentioned it being quiet. If you're, generally speaking, in the transfer portal, the, the quieter recruitments are the ones that end up working out better for your team. Like Durante Davis, the Jackson State kid, he's been a little bit of everywhere, been talking a lot. Those are the ones where you're just a little like, eh, I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, but the, the the quieter ones um, that happen relatively quickly, um, we saw on the the first go around with the, the cornerbacks in uh, Jansen Dunn and JQ Hardaway. We kind of found out the day they were on campus, and then it was signed, sealed, delivered within forty eight hours or so. Mm -hmm. What what are your thoughts on uh, one more question before we get to our listeners' questions? What are your thoughts on Kentucky offering the the cornerback from Rhode Island. Is it Antonio Carter? Is that his name? The, the second, yes. Because they offer there, – there's also a kid OV in who I think has, he has a similar name. He's like Antonio something the third. Maybe Antonio Davis the third. So, I, you know, I'm getting my, my wires crossed with recruits. But wouldn't expect them when we talked about portal needs a week ago, didn't expect cornerback to show up. So what do you think about them offering this kid? I thought it was definitely interesting you look at the cornerback position and like they have a lot of bodies, a lot of numbers spent there, but they don't have really anything proven outside of Andrew Phillips. 
So it's a wide open position battle. It seemed like Maxwell Harrison's probably the favorite to be the starter there. I'm still pretty big on JQ Hardaway, but it was definitely wasn't settled mm-hmm. going into. Th- so I wasn't necessarily super surprised if they threw their hat in the ring, especially when you turn on the tape. This guy is a boundary cornerback. Like he's got good instincts. He can tackle, uh, he can cover well enough. Proven production, but you dig into him a little bit. He does have like a safety background, so maybe it could be kind of a guy where they just get in and they can just plug him in somewhere. Uh, I think he's got two – he'll be a redshirt senior, so he's got two years of eligibility left. You look at that safety room, you only got six scholarship safeties, Jalen Geiger, redshirt senior, Zion Childress, true senior, so you could lose some guys there pretty quick. So he kind of almost might be a tweener there. Um, So I, I definitely did think it was interesting. But you look at that that second cornerback position, I think it's just they have guys they just don't know who's gonna who's gonna start there. I think Harrison's probably the favorite right now, him and Hardaway, probably co favorites. But then you also got Jordan Robinson, who's worked in the mix, and I've talked about these true freshmen coming in in the summer. I think both of them are gonna get a real shot at potentially maybe playing as true freshmen this year, Addison and Avery Stewart. So to me, it's just it was just kind of a wide open thing. But then, like Nick last year, they added Zion Childress, and we were like, "Well, that's kind of a they don't really need a safety, do they?" Mm-hmm. They seem good there, and he turned out to be, you know, they got you got the scholarships. You need to spend them. So if you can find a good football players, don't be afraid to bring them on. And that so I think that had a lot to do with the interest here. And he's a guy that's also blown up. A and M's offered him. He's got about ten, twelve, mm-hmm. thirteen. Power five offers now, so um, he's a guy that, that that could probably go in any direction. Uh, Paul Rick Spicer, which is uh, that's uh, that's got a spicy name there. He said we definitely need a guy to kick the ball and get a field goal. Last year was a nightmare. Look at uh, we haven't seen significant movement there, but I think you did uh, mention on KS Board that there are some options out there. It's just maybe it doesn't matter. Are they good enough We're options? Just- Right, right, exactly. <laughs> they, last I checked, there were three kickers in the portal. Uh, kid from East Carolina, Central Michigan's kicker, and then Ohio State's backup. Ohio State's backup really only played one game, made a field goal in the national championship loss to Alabama in 2020. East Carolina's kicker was all conference his first year, but then he was bad last year and lost his starting job. If you remember See, week one, he yeah. missed a kick against NC State. Oh, we were like a 38-yarder. We were watching that game on the big mm-hmm. screen at the bar and just like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And then the other one's Central Michigan kicker who kind of had a – he had one good year and then one bad year. And so I, I don't have those names off the top of my head. But, yeah, they, I mean, you in NFL free agency, you're, and even in the draft, you're kind of – your hands are tied on what is – you know, you can only take what's available. Mm-hmm. in here I just don't I'm sure they maybe tampered with some guys but nothing has really developed either in the December portal or this one to date so it really might just you know we might just be rolling the dice with chance poor we'll see we still got another week over a week with this portal being open but so far there's no real buzz there and I thought we would I would have bet I had that money that Kentucky would have added a kicker in this window, but as of right now, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Right. And as you said, only if it's worth it. So you're, you're kind of uh, going for best available at this point, which brings us to a question that BB and cats one had on KS board, um, which by the way, if you haven't signed up yet, $10, lots of scoop going down there. And if you're worried that you're going to miss out on it, a, a lot of it eventually gets filtered out. Um, so we're, we're not trying to hide anything from you, but you do get some extra access, like BB and Cats once, and he has thoughts on taking another transfer quarterback that could potentially sit a year and start for the 24 season. He mentioned Brock Vandergriff. Uh, we we found out last night from one three yes. Jake Rowe that uh, Vandergriff is not going to be Vanda going into the transfer portal, uh, which was a surprise to a lot. Uh, former five star, kind of losing that battle to uh, Carson Beck right now, so that was at least surprising. Um, but I think now all eyes turn to Tuscaloosa. And 
You, you smelling some smoke down there, Luckett? Yeah, it's been reported by our on three, our Miami on three site, site Kane Sport. Gary Furman wrote something. Pretty much Tyler Van Dykes. He's represented by Drew Rosenhaus. Multiple Which college football teams have reached out to Drew Rosenhaus. <laughs> and Alabama is one of them. Tommy Reese apparently like wanted to target Van Dyke at Notre Dame when he first entered the portal. Or not when it, the first portal window, but he just never entered. Mm-hmm. There's frustration from the Van Dyke camp that he can't sign a big NIL deal at Miami. The way that Gary Furman put it is they have a big pile of money, and it just kind of gets distributed evenly throughout the team. Hmm. Where Which Van Dyke is, wants. It's kind of surprising because De'Eric King was the original yes. Neil Poster child. So that, that, that well, I mean, that, you you remember what happened to their basketball team last year with Isaiah Wong? Yeah, that's true. He got upset because he had an NIL deal, but Nigel Pack made more, and it was reported how much he was making. So they're trying yeah. to. I mean, to me, it's almost contract negotiations with John Ruiz, who runs a what Life Wallet, and is he he's writing their NIL checks down there in Coral Gables. So maybe that maybe it's a power move by Van Dyke uh, here. But it's also interesting that Alabama is looking for a quarterback and they, they don't feel good about Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow. And we've always thought the loser of that job is going to enter the portal. Well, maybe they both do at some point. Yeah, yeah. The key here in all of this is I think if you're Ryan Day at Ohio State, if you're Nick Saban at Alabama, if you're Kirby Smart at Georgia, is keeping these quarterbacks so you have a quality backup. In case something happens, keeping them around, make it lingering these QB competitions so they don't go anywhere. Because they have, that's what you're. They needed them, right? I mean, Stetson Bennett was JT Daniels like third string Mm -hmm. until he got hurt, and then he ends up winning new two national titles. We had the whole two of Jalen Hurts situation, so like that, it's important. It's very important. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Milrow had to play two. He had to play two SEC games last year. He started against A and M, and he played most of the Arkansas game. So they had to have him play. I mean, that's the big selling point. And I think these SEC schools, it helps that they can't transfer in conference after February 1st. Like They have to be in the portal by February 1st per league rule to transfer within the conference. So if you're, if you're Brock Vandegrift, and it's been reported that he was a big Auburn fan growing up. He's from like the eastern side of the state of Georgia, I believe. They're going to be the favorite for him whenever he leaves. And so mm-hmm. if he wanted to go to Auburn, he can't right now. Yeah. So you have to set. think, where where do I want to go? You, you just have to – if I'm going to enter the portal, I can't go to SEC. Like Barry Alexander, defensive tackle from Georgia, who just entered. He's visiting USC this weekend. He can't – like, he, you, you know, the, there would have been a thought. I think he was a former Texas A&M commit. He couldn't go to Texas A&M because, because yeah. of Sankey's rule. Greg Sankey's you might rule. As well, so. You might as well play for a place you don't want to yeah. than sit and, a year. Right, and just in general on the quarterback, one, it's a hard sell here. Yeah, come here and be a backup. Um, Cincinnati's Ben Bryant just entered the transfer portal. He was originally at Cincinnati, was Desmond Ritter's backup, transferred so he could start at Eastern Michigan. Desmond Ritter leaves for the NFL. He transfers back to Cincinnati. So Cincinnati essentially sent him to AAA for uh, – a minor league assignment, and then got him back once once they have room on the roster. Started for them last year. He really played well the last two years, Eastern Michigan and Cincinnati. I would say he's a great college quarterback, but he's solid. Scott Satterfield's in town. They brought in Emory Jones from Arizona State. It looks like Emory Jones won that job in spring, and now he's in the portal. Like He is probably the top quarterback, I would say, available in the transfer portal right now. So what is a guy like that going to look for? I would yeah, assume he he's just going to want to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Does he want to come – like, does an, a cat from Illinois want to come to Kentucky and be a backup for a season? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think – like, it, they're just in a tough spot with – the best-case scenario was always, Nick, you get Leary, and then you – all right, we can get a Brock Vandergriff or someone like that. That would that's still young. They had a lot like Walker Howard at Ole Miss went from LSU to Ole Miss as a redshirt freshman. 
Mm-hmm. It still has a lot of where he could be the next guy after Leary leaves. And that just never, I don't think, developed for Kentucky. And it hasn't developed yet. We'll see how the rest of this portal. It was either that or a a guy in the Sawyer Smith mold or an FCS guy who's just wanting to move up and wants to take a swing at playing at the highest level in college football. So unless that happens, unless we see a quarterback at Wagner or Duquesne or wherever enter the portal and maybe Kentucky goes after him, I think you're you're going to enter this season with four scholarship quarterbacks and we're going to have a battle for QB2. Again. <laughs> we're speaking of QB2. Uh, Kirk Morton asked on the YouTube chat. Make sure you're subscribed, as always. I think Dustin Wade got anything out of starting the bowl game other than game reps. I'm worried about Oviri being too injury prone. What could we we never really got anything definitive on QB two at practice? Like uh, Kai Sharon's was the backup. Yeah, but it wasn't. It, it it seems like a very much a out of. Um, like it, it, it was the easiest way to go for Liam Cohen, too, because Kaya played in the system. He knows what he's getting out of Kaya. They also he had liked, bigger problems they were dealing with. Exactly, exactly. So, like, that wasn't the primary focus. He also um, – I remember hearing in Liam's first go-around that he – you know, I wasn't thinking about Kaya Sharon at all, and he really liked him. So, it, it made the simple – like, that was the simplest solution. Like, let's, let's try to push Kaya to be QB2 and have the chips fall where they may. So, do do we think that Kentucky will enter the season with him being QB two, or is Wade the best potential option? Yeah, a couple things here. Like they're gonna let's say they don't add a transfer quarterback, they're gonna enter a season where if anything happens to Leary, they're gonna face a boatload of criticism because of this. You know, if if. If they have to play a backup quarterback and this backup quarterback, whoever it is, is not ready. But I don't know exactly what they'll do. Like, I really don't. Because you pick Leary, you pick who you thought was the best guy in the portal, you got your number one target, and if he gets hurt, I mean, and I I just don't know. Because there's like, it is like, it is a tough situation. Because you don't have anything to sell. Well, especially when they seemingly – are addressing the the problem with quarterback protection by getting a couple offensive tackles. Right. Yeah. And I was going to get into that later. But yeah, that that is just just don't get hurt. Thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> like because, let's, let's yeah, not I mean, open that can of worms. And and let's also just be real too. If you got to play quarterback two for an extended amount of time, you're 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 screwed. Like there's not. I yes. Mean, that, but that, that's just, if it. If a situation arises like last year, they have to be able to win that game. To win one game, exactly. They and that is as much on the guy with the headset on as anything. Like you got to set him up for success better than what they did. I, I hear you, but Kaya Sharon was not ready at this point in his career to go win an SEC game. He just wasn't, and so that's not on the player. That is on your roster building. Inefficiency, mm-hmm. which is recruiting high school so, quarterbacks, and now you're—I mean, it's year over year over year. So, I mean, we talked about this ad nauseum. You just have to fix it. Just hopefully, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen two years in a row for them. As far as QB two goes, I'd be more willing to bet on Devin Wade or Devin Wade, Destin Wade's traits. Just, and the big thing is he can run the ball. You know, so like yeah, if all, yeah. all things get bad, we could just we can get run heavy here, and then we can manufacture a play action passing game. Uh, that to me, that was who I would go go that. And they, where is Kaya Sharon at? Like, is he just, you know, can he go? Can he throw the ball thirty times and win a game? Because that's what it would take if he would went in the lineup. But the way Kentucky's roster is constructed, if you're going to get back there with a drop back passer, you're not going to be able to just old school run the ball down the throat. Run the defense's throw. You're going to have to throw the ball if he's if he has to come in a game, or if Deuce Hogan has to come in a game. They're going to have to drop back and throw throw the football. Can he do that? I, I don't I don't know. I, I I can envision me. I can envision Destin Wade right now potentially being the better option just because he brings run game value, and you can switch up 
what you're doing on offense. And you can have a little bit of a surprise element because you're running. Because all them RPOs you're going to run with Leary, you can tag a run, a QB run off all of those now. And so for in a short sample size, I could see you having more success doing that if he is the backup. And he's the youngest guy on the roster. And I think he probably has the highest ceiling, even though he probably has the lowest floor of all those passers. To add to that, too, they kind of led off with the experience in the bowl game. I mean, we saw that Wade is at least the, the moment wasn't too big for him against the best defense in America, playing in his hometown. Like there, there was a lot of he he was not rattled whatsoever. Like that, that yeah, he didn't play he didn't play good that game, but he was in a no win situation in right. a lot of ways. But you know what? He took it to the chin. So like I, you know, I commend him for that. And hell, that that one practice where nobody could throw it through the. 50 mile an hour wing gus he might have had the longest throw of the day so there's there's some stuff there uh, but that's certainly a situation we're going to continue to monitor um next question up which i thought was interesting from our, our pal hank ramblett on twitter is is uk understaff with off the field support staff relative to what it takes to be successful in the sec and this was definitely a problem early on in the stoops tenure um now they aren't doing the Florida Army of every, every assistant coach has two assistant coaches. But, like, when, when we had these uh, recruiting budget uh, stories come out and Kentucky's kind of middle of the pack, I don't know if this is true, Lucky, but anecdotally, it feels like they, they're, they're kind of middle of the pack, right? Like, they've got, um, you know, what, four or five QCs, four or five GAs. Like, they're, they're in the mix, but I don't – so I don't think they're necessarily far behind, but they're certainly not one of those where Stoops has an army of Johnny Strength, Coach Enhancer, like some of those titles like that Florida has for Billy Napier's staff are ridiculous. So I don't think they're up there, but I, I don't think they're far behind where it's necessarily a hindrance to running a, a successful program. Yeah, if you just hit the rewind button here. Kentucky is 2021. Kentucky's getting ready to play Louisville. Mark Stoops has a meeting with Mitch Barnhart where they talk about contract extension, what he needs to stay here, what the university needs to commit long-term. And they upgrade Liam Cohen's pay. They upgrade Brett White's pay. Mark Stoops gets a nice raise. But a, it, but, but, but a big part of that, Nick, was recruiting budget, which to my understanding that was like, if we need to fly somewhere, we can do it. We don't have to wait. You have access to – a jet pretty much uh, so they can just go whenever they want to. And that, so it expanded money official visit weekend. So they don't, they can spend freely a little bit and it was bolstering the recruiting staff to my knowledge before this happened, like the recruiting staff was like Josh Pruitt and Chase Ike essentially full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Chase was like just out of college, I think. And then Pruitt's been here for a long time and now Pruitt's been a, promoted to kind of a administration position, I think. But now you look at their staff, Nick, they just in the recruiting department alone, I think they have like five or six full-time people. Correct. And then and you look at GAs they've even extended. Nick, they've yeah. got seven GAs now, and I think it used to be like four. Maybe even Nick, only three whenever C.J. Conrad first started. They had like an quality, offense defense with special teams. Then quality control, they have six quality control assistants. They have three strengths coach or four strengths coaches essentially. Nick Corey Edmond, Mark Hill, Raphael Horton, and Tyler Malone. Like they've got four guys that are running the strength and conditioning it department. Used to just be the two at the top, so they doubled mm-hmm. that. Um, and, and I it think was Ed, other- yeah, it was Edmond at first, and then Hills. He's only been here five years, so it's been very recent. Was his first year maybe? Um, but the other part you have to think of too, when these off the field staffers, like it's not just bodies, like what are you actually doing? Um, and a part of that recruiting department is this guy went in, here's his tape, Brad White, here's his tape, Liam Cohen. What do we think? Right. Do we go after this guy or not? So they can act quickly and be on the ball soon. And then the other part of it too is uh, the, the support staff, isn't just supporting the coaches. It's also supporting the players. So they have some sort of intermediaries where you aren't going to your position coach or even the head coach for every little gripe, right? 
And Vince yeah. Marrow, he's a conduit for a lot of those players. Um, same thing with Drake, same thing with CJ. Like they they have uh, a, a lot of those boxes checked from that standpoint as well. So uh, to your point, numbers, not, not only numbers wise, but they're also kind of filling the responsibilities that need to, to be filled to have a functioning yeah. program. Yeah. On their roster, they have four listed full-time recruiting employees plus a football recruiting assistant. And they have they have it split. Like there's guys who are in there grinding tape and evaluating prospects mm-hmm. and looking at what the, co- the coaches probably have a metric checklist they want checked off before they even look at a player and they're probably doing all that. But there's also Danielle Braswell, who is kind of the organizer, right? She is the party planner, like helping set up the official visits. Yeah getting players where they need to go on the golf cart when they're around campus, getting coaches in the right spot where they're supposed to be, you know, and that was a big hire. I mean, she had extensive SEC experience at A&M and Auburn. And so she's a huge part of, you know, probably setting up those photo shoots that you see, those cool video packages that they put out with the music in the background and all the little different, you know, poses they do in the jersey. Mm-hmm. That, that You know, she I would assume she's probably – organizing a lot of that and they're working hand in hand with the coaches uh, on all that. And so, so yes, Kentucky is there. This is not Georgia. This is not Alabama. This is not Florida, but I'd, I'd have a hard time imagining they're one of the, and when it comes to support staff, like in the bottom of the league, like, I think you're right. Your estimation is right. They're probably middle of the pack. Maybe it'll be an off season assignment, go through rosters and figure out how many full-time recruiting Staffers, other school, but it's hard because some of them don't list them all, right? Alabama doesn't list all of their all of their uh, guys saying has work in there. So at least last I checked, they don't. So that would be kind of hard to do. But I think yeah, they. But that was a big part of the when the twenty twenty one season ended was upgrading all of that. And then you remember after it happened, there was a picture of like Snoop's and White getting off that jet or whatever, going to see Davison and Benison in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think all of that pretty much got – I think there was a worry about that, and I think all of those issues kind of got solved when he signed that extension. Then and that was also when they agreed to, you know, expand the indoor, which is happening right now. Correct. Um, it's just dirt under there now. They're in the process of redoing it. They redid the turf field. Somebody asked why is the U.K. so small in the middle of the – Kroger Field turf, uh, which I appreciated that question because when we were growing up, that power K went from 30 to 30. <laughs> so that's right. A uh, little different now. Don't have an answer to that. But um, I do have an answer to. Um, I'm also hope like my computer is not letting me change windows or do anything right now. So uh, fingers crossed that it holds up throughout the whole podcast. Don't want another Jack Pilgrim situation here on the, the YouTube stream. Uh, but we had somebody ask on Twitter. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, which tr- or no, no, no. Biggest jump from year one to year two from our great yes, I like this class from last season. That was from BB and Commenter on Twitter. I I have a pick, and that is that's Keaton Wade because we didn't really see a lot of him last year except in some spurts um, whenever, you know, we had to deal with the injuries at the edge position. He was just kind of here, there a little bit. I think they're going to be sprinkling him in more somewhat out of necessity. You don't have Jordan right there, but also because right now they don't have another off ball linebacker. And that's uh, Brad said, you know, Brad, it's kind of break glass in case of emergency right they've now. They've been working with. So I, uh, I, I, I like that at choice as a because he's he's got the tools right, uh, and he also has the the mentality, the right work ethic. So I, I would expect, yeah, yeah. He he's just he he's the one I have most confidence in uh, taking a, a jump in production from year one to year two. Who, who do you got, Luckett? A lot of this is like picking your favorite child because. There's a lot of good players in this class already. Oh gosh, you know, 
Like we could, in hindsight, easy. What I mean, if like Deion Walker becomes an All American this year, like that's the easy answer, right? Like if they guy takes another jump, he's going to be an absolute game wrecker. Uh, I think Alex Safari might be uh, the answer here, just because I think he's going to have a big role in the defense, kind of being their essentially being their Sam linebacker, uh, playing that kind of medium position. You know, Dan Key, I think, is a guy going to make a big jump. Tyrese Fearbury, I'll be interested to see just situationally if he could give them anything as an edge rusher. Especially as the season progresses when when attrition or not when injuries maybe start piling up and you need somebody in there to mix it up. Uh, he's one I think to watch, but I guess my answer would be Alex Safari just because I think he's going to step into a full-time role this year and I think he's going to be a valuable part of the defense. And I think we may have lost Mr. Roush here. He is frozen. So as he stares at us, we'll go to some more questions here. Let's see. After Ray Davis, how is the running back room looking slash progressing? This is from Daniel Goodpaster via Twitter. That's a good question. So let's pull up the little our depth chart. Or our, our roster distribution chart here. Kentucky has six scholarship running backs on the roster right now. You've got Ray Davis and Jatan McLean at the top of the room. And then after that, you've got Lavelle Wright and D Beckwith. We're kind of the guys in the spring running with the twos and getting reps in practice. But the two names to watch here to me are Ramon Jefferson, former Sam Houston. State transfer who got injured in the first game last year against Miami, Ohio, and true freshman Jarian Wilcox, who will be a summer enrollee, was one of Kentucky's biggest recruiting wins in this past cycle. I think Davis and McLean give you a twosome that you can really depend on and rely on. Has played football in big games in the SEC, but Jefferson and Wilcox to me are what will set the ceiling in the room. Uh, Jefferson was a huge addition. Nick, the Knicks back. Now we're talking running backs right now. Um, just yeah. kind of what is what are things looking like um, after Ray Davis, uh, specifically how, how they're looking progressing. And to me, my answer really was McLean and Davis kind of set your floor, but Jefferson and Wilcox are going to set the ceiling. What you can get from one of those guys potentially as a big playback, change of pace, is really kind of – I think that's essential for the running back room. And then you really need Wilcox to emerge to be a guy because that's the, that's the future of the room because all the other guys are older. You need him to come in and be your next – you know, if he could come in and be your next multi-year starter, you know, guy that could be a thousand-yard rusher here, that would solve a lot of issues and would give you a, a real building block for the offense. And let's face it here, Nick, you go through this offense, like they've had a lot of misses in recruiting. That's why they're going in the transfer portal. Right tackle, Cortland Ford potentially. Left tackle, Marcus Cox. Ray Davis running back. Devin Leary quarterback. Tavian Robinson receiver. They've had some recruiting misses, and you can't miss like that consistently. You've got to fix that with high school recruiting. They fix receiver, it looks like, and hopefully Wilcox can be the start of fixing that running back where it's only be a one-year gap, and then you'll be back rolling with one of your homegrown recruits. Yeah, and that's um, – I got a little – I'm going to say worried, but – I was hoping Sam Williams Dixon would be uh would play. As yeah, a I just wouldn't panic about. I just yeah, I just wouldn't panic about that. You can find tailbacks. We didn't know Wilcox was not or barely rated or a low three star at this point last year. It's true. Like these guys are you'll you'll find good running backs. That's why I was so disappointing. I thought last year that Chris Rodriguez has got this suspension, and that you had a room of scholarship running backs and you really couldn't find anything. You know, yeah, you get, yeah. You get the bad Jefferson injury. But then you just a lot of blah other than that. That that was disappointing. But you can find good running backs really anywhere in the country. It's just finding the right ones, too. Yeah. Uh, I think they found one here with Jamari and Wilcox, and hopefully he can be good. And I feel I feel confident that they'll be able to find another one. But it's a big test for Jay Bull where we don't really know, like recruiting wise, what areas he's going to focus he, in on, he what he really wants in the running back room. We're, we're going to have to learn all of that. 
I saw he was in South Florida for at least one. Yeah. So that's, that's something, but um, I, I like your thoughts there. Cause right now there really are only two known entities, but you need more than that. You just, you just do. Uh, although uh, you do got to give Davis credit for, you know, being able to log as many snaps as he did last year. However, throughout his career, he's had a couple, he's had a couple bad injuries. So that's right. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, couple more questions we got up. Somebody on uh, Tyler Case asked on the YouTube channel, what do y'all think of the preseason power ranking at Kentucky outside of the top seven in the SEC? That was ESPN's FPI that had been number 28 going into the season. They Kentucky was 24th in SP+. Plus, so similar territory. Look, at, I was just fascinated that the numbers are so kind to Florida when there's not a lot – like if you, I know they return a lot of production on defense, and they have the recruiting rankings, right? But like, what, what, what do they got on offense? You know, Nick, you want to you want to take a crap on the ACC right quick? Oh, I'd love to. Let's do it. I'm gonna list you the top 25 teams per SP plus preseason SP plus in the ACC. Number 11, Florida State. Number 12, Clemson. That is the number of top 25 teams. SP plus in the ACC. My take on that is when the SEC, like there's just a lot of good teams here. Like there's a lot of talent. All these teams recruit really well. That is baked into all of these numbers, especially in the preseason. That has a lot to do with the numbers is recruiting ranking, five-year recruiting results and recent history. So SEC, they've got a lot of teams have done well recently. And so you see teams, you know, you see team like a Florida who, you know, what's, Still baked into Florida's equation is all those those ten and eleven seasons win seasons Dan Mullen had. It's true. Sure. So, so that's why that helps explain why they are in their recruiting ranking on top of that. Uh, and for Kentucky, like they're definitely in. I would say this kind of second. You know, I'd say I would say tier one is Alabama, Georgia, national champions, true national championship contenders. Tier two would be kind of like fringe championship contenders, playoff. Guys, I would think if they're like LSU, A&M for talent only, you know, maybe you throw Tennessee in there. And then Kentucky's right there with everyone else. You know, they're right there in the thick of the middle class in the SEC. And so if a couple things bounce their way, they can push for nine, ten wins. And that's – for Kentucky, that's a very, very good place to be. There's a lot worse places to be in college football. So I wouldn't overreact to, like, these power rankings just because there's just a lot of – these teams are good. All these teams well, have talent and good coaches, and so they can finish anyway. But I do think Kentucky's got – they've set it up where the floor is last year. Like, say, like things went yeah, awful which, last year, and they still finished 7-5. and five. Yeah, and they were also in the top 25 and 9 out of the 14. They were ranked against Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean – They were – I mean, yeah. after they beat Missouri, they were back in the top 25. Yeah. If they don't lose that game, they probably go to the Outback Bowl. Yeah, so – uh, you did touch on them though, and we had somebody else ask about stopping or slowing down the Josh Heupel offense. Um, yes. I know one thing we can't do, and that's slow down the Josh Heupel hype train because my god, the people who are telling themselves that Joe Milton can complete a pass, they're cracking me up. Um, I've seen clips of the volleyball player in the spring game that people were drooling over. Do we do we know who they're ultimately going to ride with? Is, is it going to be Joe Milton? Yes. That's going to be like the Stefan LaFleur's Brian Brom mix up where Brom had like a, the third, he would get the third series of the game. You get the third and like the six or something like that. I'm assuming that they'll have something similar with Nico. Um, the only way they don't is if Milton is just killing it, which I don't, I wouldn't project. Um, people ask me about this all the time. We talked about this um, while you're on paternity leave when the podcast we had to preview the Tennessee game. If you want to go back and listen to that, kind of explain what this offense is, how hard it is to defend. Essentially, like, number one, Kentucky's defense did not play bad in that game down there. They gave, they had the one coverage bus um, because mm-hmm. I believe Carrington Valentine took a, a bit, bit on the, the bender inside on the switch release and just freed, freed him running down the sideline. Right. Um, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, and they bid on that again later in the game on Hyatt's like 35 yard touchdown. Uh, 
you take those two plays out, they play fine. Half the possession started on Tennessee side of the ball or right, Kentucky right. side of the field. Like the offense gave them no chance at all to even compete in that game. I don't think Tennessee Kentucky's defense was all that bad. You go back two years ago, there was just injuries piled up there at the end, and they just couldn't hold up at the line of scrimmage in that game, and that was the biggest issue. And then you had the the bust. That that is the biggest issue to me. It's just they've had these busts. They just got to fix that. You can't have well, the bust against Tennessee. See, because they take advantage. Like if you give them an inch, they take it a mile. Well, like it's a switch release offense. Uh, it's deep choice routes. A lot of times, you know, Jalen Hyatt's running around on first down, and he's just Hendon Hooker's looking the left side. Cedric Tillman's over there eating popcorn, just chilling um, on the other side, not even running a route. And then they do it. Then they'll switch the next play. I mean, a lot of and it's play action. They max protect, and so you only got like in they use spacing to their advantage where there's no like it's not reading zone or whatever. You're reading a player. And if and he's either going to bend it outside or he's going to cut it in, depending on how he reads the safety or, you know, or then lever, how the corner plays leverage. And that's just how it is. And that's why the thing with Hooker is, like, when NFL teams watch his tape, it's like, well, he's not even – like, he's not even playing the same sport. Like, he's just – he's staring down a receiver and he's making a read off a cut, off an yeah. option route. I mean, it, there's no reading coverages at all or, or you know – designating or pre-snap reads or anything. It's very elementary. But you got to be able to cover and you got to you See, can't have bust. And, and so the two things to me is like if you put on the Georgia and Georgia's easy, but Georgia right. had a guy who could guys who could cover exactly. in the back end and mm-hmm. they had a game record inside that you can block. Because you're getting max protections in passing downs, you're gonna have you're just not going to have a numbers advantage with your pass rush. And so for in that game, you got to have a guy that can just dominate in uh, yeah. the A and B gaps. Dominate, and then you got to have a guy like Deion Walker. Exactly. Like, like that is if Kentucky cannot have success these next two years with big number zero against Tennessee, that's just not going to happen. Because well, I mean, that's just that. Those are the kind of guys that really wreck a Tennessee game plan. If you look at Alabama's defensive line last year, Nick, they just didn't have the typical game wreckers up front, and that's going to play out next week in the draft in Kansas City. They're like they'll have one or two guys that defensive line. They're going to go in the fifth or sixth rounds. Edge rushers that can they have a better chance to handle inside. They don't, and so if you can't get a push inside, it's just going to be a long night. And then if you look at their other loss to South Carolina, they had guys that could cover. Cam Smith, yeah. Darius Rush are going to be top fifty picks at cornerback. And in addition to that, too, I mean that was what like a sixty to forty game. I mean yeah. part of it was you got to score points to beat them. I mean you just do and. Um, I, I, I trust this play caller to be able yeah. to score more points. I mean, he did the first time around against that defense. And uh, also, they got, what, two or like three turnovers forced in that game? Uh-huh. Um, I mean, just got to get a couple stops. So, yeah. yeah, You're playing mad when that. you play them in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. two years ago, Kentucky – I'm not going to sit here and say they played them well, but, like, it's, that's a game where you hold them to 31 points, you should win. Like, your offense has got to go score 35 to win the game. I mean, that's yeah. bottom line. Uh, and so, Kentucky last year up in Kroger Field, they gave up 38 defensive points. Will Levis throws a pick six. But they got the key stop at the end to give them a yeah. chance to go win the game. And then this past year, they, they just – the offense that's, – that game was – that was, to me, like that was it for Scangarello. Uh, like, that you, that you went down there off a of bye week, and that was what you put out there. In a big moment, and you're on ESPN, Kirk Herbstreit's on the call, a big moment for the program, just like, you know, it hadn't been a great year to this point, but you got a chance to kind of, you know, get the ship corrected. And to go down there, and that's what they put out on the field was just – Do you remember all- his rationale, too, for their opening drive? They said, we know they like to to hit hard and stop the run, so we were going to run it right at him. It's like, what? Yeah. You got, got big number seven back there, and so you're just going to play right into what they want to do? That – Whew, that was something. Uh, yeah. That was something. Let's get to some more questions. Uh, speaking of big number seven, up on KS board, STC80 Kentucky has final predictions on Levis' draft position. And how important is it that he go high for our future success in recruiting quarterbacks, portal transfers? Well, look, at, I, I feel like some of this is 
at least for the future, like you've already done that work. Like whether yes. he goes two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 20, that that's already done. The him being in that Kentucky uniform and all of this pre-draft coverage, which is all over the place on ESPN, that's already done your mark. As far as predictions, I love the odds of him going to the Texans. I love the late minute uh CJ Stroud, like uh Brady Quinn saying that he didn't he turned down Mannings, you know, like I, I love all of the last minute kind of bluster. I've done some thinking on it, Luckett. And I think the place that benefits him the most and probably makes the most sense is is the one that was the suitor to begin with, and that was Indy. <laughs> like as all of the like moving around and stuff. Uh, Indy I think Indy would work well for him because they can run the football. I don't know. I, I can't think of any of their receivers off the top of my head. They're Michael Pittman, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have help there. But at least some help in the run game, I think, can give him a nice start to his career. Uh, and I also just think from, a, you know, what Chris Ballard likes in a quarterback, um, he'll have a little protection. I ultimately think Indy is going to be my prediction. Uh, what, what say you, Luckett? Yeah, Shane Steichen, play calling head coach, you know, that they can grow together. They're going to kind of be joint at the hip, I think, would help a lot. To me, I really do think, like, Seahawks and Vikings both have Rams guys running their offense. Shane Waldron in Seattle. Kevin O'Connell's the head coach in Minnesota. Both have older quarterbacks they're moving on from soon. I think for him, just playbook familiarity. They're gonna get. They're gonna have a head start on knowing. I think Levis just because of the working relationship with Cohen already. Mm-hmm. They're gonna speak the same language, all of that type stuff. I think that would either of those places would be would be nice. By or all are accounts, they willing to trade up, or you know, I think is Seattle at five. Like, are yeah. you willing to use the fifth overall pick for a quarterback that might not play this year? You know. That's yeah, the, but I'll okay. that, the part of this. There was some other reporting that the Colts have Levis too on their board at the quarterback. It's Bryce Young. They want Bryce Young, but they're not going to get him. And so they're going to have to decide what they want to do there. And then, like, the Texans are huge. You know, do, who trade? Do they trade back? If they trade back. Who would trade up to get that? And then the Cardinals are sitting there as a trade back. It feels like to me, someone's going to trade up like the Titans and get him. Like I think that would probably be my pick. The Titans, they were they had a big showing at Kentucky's Pro Day. They need a quarterback. I think Levis and Tannehill. I think that it's not a terrible comp for him. What it, if Levis was a successful NFL quarterback, it would probably look a little bit um, like Tannehill yeah. when he was good with the Titans. Heavy play action game. Yep. Could throw a deep ball too. Yeah. I mean, he had that big pass against the Ravens, and has has back. some ha, yeah right, and has some run game value. Yeah, uh, that's I could see that potentially. And that, I think that would be my pick right now. I still have to dig in, um, and the hard part is just the trades are just like it could yeah. be a wild. I, I think it could be a wild draft, and these mocks are going to get the burned early. Position. Like teams are willing to to give up a lot to potentially get their guy. So yeah. Uh, my my big prediction, Nick, I think, is someone trades up to draft Will Levis, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone's sure. trading up to get him, and so who 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 is it? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Um, let's get to another question. This question is going to be the Serve Pro question. Serve Pro of Lexington, the guys in green of the mean cleanup team. They helped us out when uh, many disasters struck at KS office. It was a mess of dead birds and God knows what in there and surf pro of Lexington. They were there just like that to help all of your needs. I know it's storm season right now. Uh, the winds are a whopping and a whirling over my head as we speak. Um, and I've also got an air show practicing. Um, so I've got jet planes kind of going in the background. Um, that just only a, a slight distraction, but if you have any disaster, fire, water, Whatever it may be, mold remediation, storm damage, commercial cleanup, demolition. Locally owned and operated, Surfpro of Lexington has you covered. Give them a call at 859-225-3193. Visit them online at surfprolexingtonky.com. And tell them KSR sent you at Surfpro of Lexington. Faster to any disaster. Uh, Luckett, 
I was really intrigued by this question. Um, who's the next 2024 commitment? Who's yes. Who's going to be? I'm glad you picked this one. It came from Dylan Mesman commits next CLE week. 35 on the KS board. Dylan Mesman tied in on Michigan commits next week, Friday, April 28th. That's one to watch. I think it's down to Kentucky and Michigan State. So if that ends up being Kentucky, he's going to be the next one, I would say. After that. Keep in mind, he's a Michigan State uh, legacy. So. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to win, you think. After that, that's a very good question. Willie Rodriguez, Kentucky just offered um, out of Covington Catholic, but that's a that's a loaded kind of recruitment now. Yeah, kind of out yeah. of nowhere. A lot of SEC schools got in there. I saw uh, or actually reported that uh, Demarion Witten is going to be visiting this weekend. Yeah, four star tight end out of Glenville. Yeah, he's a ball player. Put up some big. Yeah, they got some good options. Team. Good options, really, here at tight end. It's kind of a shame that they really only need one. Yeah, yeah. Because they did a lot of emerging options, and I think that it had part of the reason why we saw Gavin Grover go ahead and commit to Cincinnati, to just grab a spot, um, because maybe mm-hmm. Kentucky was, I think, they were still evaluating, I think, their talent pull at tight end. Correct. Um, when he was wanting to commit. Uh, I so could I, see I, them I, taking two if the second one's Justin Caddis. Just because, like, you know what? Yeah. Let's get all the caddises. I need them all. Uh, the younger caddis, the youngest of them all, Tucker, he's going to be like a top 150 offensive tackle. He's a freaking hoss. He's he's just a bigger Josh caddis. So uh, th- that one's down the road. If you have a most who, – who's the number one guy you want in 2024? Because I, 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 it's an easy answer for me. I mean, that – the Shaq McRoy – yeah, down yeah. in Alabama, Give me that the guy. top two hundred tackle. Yeah, you know, you just gotta. They had, they need to get more, start getting wins like that again on the offensive line. So that would be, that would be significant. The Smith twins, who now at Loomis Chaffee there in Connecticut from Somerset, that hey, would be a big one. What you, about? Uh, can my answer be Cutter Bowley? No, he's a twenty twenty five recruit. <laughs> well, for now. Yeah, for now. Yeah, for now. That could be your correct answer at the end of the day. I did notice the Smith twins. They haven't narrowed a list, but uh, one of them put out a poll, where should we go? And yeah, it's only like four that. schools. Notre Dame was long seen as a favorite, and they weren't included. Kentucky was. Instead of uh, arguing with my wife where to eat dinner, I'm just going to do that. We're going to do the Twitter poll. Four restaurants and whatever we win, that's where we're going. And just three of the options are roosters. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um but yeah, th- th- those those visits and everything they- they'll crank up in June. Uh, so actually, no, the answer is Cortland Ford. Or wait, is he technically a twenty twenty four? He would be a twenty twenty three technically. Yeah, technically. Uh, nevertheless, uh, like that question that we had on KS Board. Uh, another KS Boarder asked a uh, Blue Wildcat, which in state recruits do you think Kentucky's going to take from this twenty four class? I know one that I'm going to keep a close eye on. I have a feeling that old Uncle Jeff at Louisville is going to go all in on Sean Boykins at North Harden. Yeah, uh, I think he visits there this weekend for the spring game. Yeah, so I, I and so I'm. I think Kentucky is still. They know he's got that, some good get off speed, but like, there's also well. they they can they can as we've talked about a lot, they can kind of pick who they want at receiver. Do they want to go all in on that guy? Small class at receiver too, Nick. I mean, yeah, yeah. They three guys last year. Um, you look at that position room. If you look at just the scholarship distribution, you've got nine scholarship players. Everyone's a sophomore outside of Tavian Robinson. Sophomore freshman. You got yeah, true freshman, redshirt freshman, true sophomores, redshirt sophomore. You're just young in that room. Yeah, it's not a huge need as of right now because you get more than one guy. You're pushing over. 10 scholarship receivers and Kentucky's offensively, their profile, that's just not what they need. They right, scholarships right. need to be spent elsewhere. Which I guess Rodriguez would probably be consideration, but they're like to me, they need two running backs before they need two wide receivers in this class. Correct. Correct. Which the state isn't really offering right now. 
Um, I know further down the road in 25, there's two Boyle County kids. There's the edge. And then there's uh Quisenberry yeah. who's a yeah. really good athlete. I'm curious to see how Quisenberry's recruitment, uh, takes off this summer. Um, and then does uh, X going to give it to you? you? Tiger Tech, y'all got any? Y'all got any recruits over there? Not that I know of right now. I have to. We'll dig in this. Well, you know, it's not. You can only work one class at a time. So we're gonna like you mentioned twenty. We're just now learning about the twenty twenty five kids. Yeah, yeah. In a lot uh, of ways. So we'll we'll figure Jeremy all that out. Jeremy Lowe is summer. yes, I, and they're really spreading their wings in cornerbacks. And I know Clink is trying to recruit the Douglas corner there. Um, so that's going to be one I keep an eye on. And then um, I'm not sure about the linemen, though, because they've already taken two guards, and I think the other Douglas lineman's a guard. So I'm not – Surrey Madison? I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really I don't really know what to think of that Surrey Madison recruitment because he just visited Austin P. I I think he visited West Virginia. I don't – I don't know if he's going to be like at the level where Kentucky, like he, where he would be a take well, for Kentucky. The the thing too, like it that you're dealing with in state recruiting in this class is, I don't know how good the the talent pool is. You know, I don't know if there's going to be twelve Power Five guys like they we have had in some recent years. But at the same time, you also don't want the new coach at Louisville coming in and taking a bunch of guys either. So like you got to play this, and that's that's a lot of what I've learned recruiting. It is such a balancing act of like. We kind of like this guy, but we go all in on him. So playing that balancing act, it's it's going to be uh, fascinating, fascinating to watch. Um, what could, what what? Yeah, it's what, just a different dynamic with Jeff Brom. Yeah, he's gonna take he's gonna take guys in state, and so yeah. you know you you don't want you know North Harden's been a very good pipeline for Kentucky for a long time, even pre Stoops. You know, if a guy like Boykins goes there and is good. Right, you don't want to lose that because you know that he's when the next person. Jordan Lovett comes, right, or exactly. who, you know, you don't want you want to be able to have that and be able to you know make it easier for you to land, right, a guy like that. So yeah, absolutely. We're gonna be keeping a close eye on it. Want to answer this question from Chaka Cummings, who's been active on the YouTube chat. He actually asked this one earlier on Twitter: Who is an under the radar player that you're excited to see this upcoming season? Hmm. Under the radar. Khalil Saunders. Okay. I think if Saunders makes a jump, which I think he can, a starting defensive line with him, Dion Walker, and the best of kind of Ox, Ripka, or Silver, it's just really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. I think that can be a really good – Defensive, or really, if just you know, you could be uh, Hayes, Walker, Saunders, like that defensive Hayes or Silver, Walker, Saunders, like that defensive line is really intriguing to me. That's a lot of length. Like if you put Silver in there, that's your six four, six six, six five across the board. Right. All all those guys are two ninety plus. Like that is intriguing. It's hard to, to block, me. and then yeah. And then just the the depth, the overall depth of the defensive line is intriguing to me. Like if you had if that was your three, and then you had guys like Josiah Hayes, Ox, and Ripka rotating in, like that's a nice six there. It's a nice six regardless. But if those are your like your is it if if Hayes, Ox, Ripka is your second unit, that's a damn good defensive line. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I I do like the de- the defensive side of it too because. And he's not necessarily under the radar, but I don't feel like we talk about him a ton. But Trevor Wallace is going to be a full-time starter. And up until this point in the, his career, he's really relied a lot on his athleticism to make plays. What's this guy going to be like now that he kind of knows how to play the position, right? He's got a lot of reps logged so far, filling in for the injured DeAndre Square. I mean, that dude could be an absolute menace, particularly the way that – Brad White talked about how comfortable he is with his safeties. Yeah. he, he, he Brad's not a big blitzer, but he'll throw a dog on you and let Wallace just run free. Just a little delayed blitz. That dude can close ground in a hurry. I mean, I don't think you want a linebacker to lead your team in sacks, but that might – I mean, that'll probably be the case this year. I could see him getting six and a half sacks as an inside yeah. linebacker. You know? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I'm really – 
excited to see him take the next step into this starting role where, yeah, I mean, hell, if this would have been eight years ago, he's playing, uh, you know, a hundred, <laughs> he's playing every snap as a true freshman, right? Like he's that good of an athlete. So yeah. Excited to see what Wallace can do in the fall of 23. Well, we've gotten to a lot of questions. Are there any questions that uh, you've seen out there that you'd like to address that we haven't uh, specifically touched on? Let me roll down here. Oh, you paid oh, one ninety nine on the board was one of your questions. He said, "What's the ceiling for Leary this year?" That's what I was looking at. We, we That's exactly what I was looking at. Heisman? I think this is a good question. When Kentucky add Leary, I just think the reason, the main reason, is just the high floor. Like I know what I'm going to get from him. Well, and and before you get on, I like the question too because we've often talked about like. What if he gets hurt? Like that's it's that's usually been the driving conversation. Is we know he's good, he has a high floor, but what if he gets hurt? So, what's but what is the ceiling? What can he do, especially compared to some of the other quarterbacks in the SEC? Yeah, I think the ceiling would be kind of like a year like Levis had in twenty twenty one, where he's counted for thirty two, thirty three touchdowns. Less interceptions, completing right around the same. It just would look different. Uh, but, you know, 33 touchdowns, counted for, you know, six, seven, eight picks, averaging right around eight yards per attempt, 63, 64% completion rate. Where I don't think he's necessarily the best quarter. I mean, we'll, you never know. We'll see how the year shakes out. I mean, you look at the quarterback roster in the SEC, it's not like super great right now. But the, some of these schemes, specifically Tennessee, you know, when KJ Jefferson and all those guys, they're going to put up numbers. So he might not have the best numbers, but I could see him just like, I just think he's going to be like a legitimate top 25 quarterback in college football. And so that maybe that's not, I don't think he's going to be a Heisman guy, but I think right. he's just going to be rock solid and dependable each week. And that's really uh, how I, how I kind of, how I kind of expecting him to play. I'm not expecting him to be necessarily a superstar, but just be a, a good college quarterback. And for Kentucky, people will probably act like that's a superstar because that's not something they've had a lot of here recently. Yeah. Well, and some of it depends. Like you mentioned K.J. Jefferson. Like if Arkansas' season falls apart, if Tennessee underperforms, there's a way where he can be a first-team All-SEC quarterback. I, I do, but ultimately probably second team, yes. I think, would be the the most like reasonable, great season that like feels within reach for him which is mm-hmm. second-best quarterback in the SEC. When was the last time you said that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you just got, like, Jaden Daniels, he's going to put up numbers because of the run game. Mm-hmm. K.J. Jefferson can run it, too. He's going to put up numbers. You know, Tennessee, you could just pencil in the numbers. Now, Mississippi State, now that the air raid's out, you, you're not penciling in those numbers anymore. Right, That's which Rodgers would have. But the Georgia would, and Alabama quarterbacks are just going to, you know, they're going to be up there regardless mm-hmm. just because of it's Georgia and Alabama. But he's got a chance, I think, like I've said, to be a top four, three or four quarterback in the SEC. And if you have that on your roster, you should be winning some football games. Uh, Grant Harmon asks on the YouTube chat, who's the fourth receiver? Is it Dekel? Can I say Jordan Dingle? No, receiver. <laughs> yeah, Dekel Crowdis is wide receiver four right now. Because I do think that uh, as far as I mean, Anthony hell, Brown's Dingle, pushing him, though. Dingle might be the third receiver behind Key and Brown. Uh-huh. Man. Yeah. You talk I about balancing acts, how you play the last, tight ends versus receivers. <laughs> last, last meeting Stoops gave us, he gave some kind words to Dekel Crowdis, just talked about his work ethic, how it's improved. I think he's early. He's going to get a shot. Yeah. And if he'll get some big ha- shots. They'll be, they'll be deep if, shots, you know? If it doesn't happen, then I think you could see some of these true freshmen, whether it be Shamar Porter or Anthony Brown, maybe working their way into the mix. They're really high on Anthony Brown. Really excited to see what he can do. Really happy that you all hung out with us, submitted questions. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I always wondered and worried about these mailbags, like, we going to have enough? No, you all gave some great questions. We appreciate you. Um, this has been a lot of fun. It keeps us on our toes, right? Because we kind of 
uh, you get a little group thing with, with some of this where you're, you're kind of stuck in a rut. You all picked us up out of this rut a week before uh, we'll be traveling to the NFL draft. Um, I know Luckett is already cooking up draft profiles. He's got a draft guide coming out this weekend um, to get you ready. And I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm very excited uh, once to kind of – because I, I feel like the combine, you really get fired up and then pro day is shortly after it. But then you still got another month to wait. So it kind yeah. of drags on, and I don't know what to believe from all, you know, people's BS here and there. So next hey, well, week – We'll have real stuff to react to as well. Exactly, exactly. So um, we're, we're tentatively kind of formulating a plan right now. Um, and then I'm tr- I'm trying to get all my derby ducks in a row. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, man, it's a great time of the year. Great time of the year. And it's always the best time of year to be banking with our friends at Monticello Bank. Go NBC app, NBCBank.com. And I think I got that wrong because I'm <laughs> an hour and five minutes into talking and my belly started grumbling. So um, thanks to you so much. There you see, he's got the NBC logo. I've been rocking the hell out of the NBC hat. They got They got some nice swag. They hooked us up with at Monticello Bank. They do. Uh, Coffee mug is getting work here in the Luckin House. It is in the rotation now. Plenty of convenient locations for you nearby. Stop by C1 today. And you'll see plenty of us next week on the KSR YouTube channel. We'll have some behind-the-scenes updates on KS Board throughout our travels to Kansas City. Um, Videos from... Uh, not only reaction from the draft, but we'll have a preview show coming up Thursday from Kansas City. Uh, we'll hit you with one, a live show before we leave town on Friday. So a lot of exciting stuff to happen. Thanks for following along. For Adam Luck and I'm Nick Roush. Go Cats and go Croak.